Amber Alert for a little girl in Saskatchewan has been expanded into... We were sitting outside, we heard him shooting. He's now facing 15 charges. In eight of Canada's 13 provinces and territories, crime is up. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm Shelley. And welcome to the first episode of season two of True North Crime. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) We took a break. I know, I know. What do we do here? We actually discuss Canadian true crime and uh, law and or, in this one, mental health issues as well. Yes. Um, Pertaining to Canada in one fashion or or another, I guess. I guess. But not really in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, well, as a Canadian citizen, and we are relating it, the the stats that I have are anyway are from Canada primarily, um, but not the laws. Gotcha. Okay. Mm. We'll get there. It'll all make sense, I hope, eventually. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so we were so away. We, so how, yeah, we were away for a while. Yeah. Uh, Rachel decided to fuck off and get married. I did. I fucked right off and got married. I know. And I got to hold a pole at your wedding. You Thanks. did. It wasn't that fun. I know, right? You were getting all teary eyed. I was. It was I really was. sweet. And I had been drinking since two. <laughs> also true. Also I held it together. Yeah. I can't believe you that I held it together. And I gave a speech, and that you still I don't remember. Don't remember most of it, but everybody said it was very nice. It was. It was lovely. Thank you. You'll have to remind me of it. Did someone record it? Because I bet it was a main ball. Uh, yeah, I think the whole thing was recorded by one person or another. Oh, okay. This is what happens when you don't actually hire someone to do this stuff for you professionally. <laughs> it's, but you know what I have to say, and everybody like that I spoke to about the wedding and the best part about I love the fact that I brought your ex-boyfriend to your wedding (laughs) how great was that and he was a hit he was a huge hit everyone remembers him he is such an affable character though like you two were never meant to be together but he he is a very affable character no we were a terrible couple and his wife like totally at the last second I called him that day at like 10 o'clock in the morning basically being like hey buddy want to come to Rachel's wedding he's like (laughs) Yeah, I'm picking apples with the kids and my wife. Hey, Rach, because his wife is also named I, Rachel. That's not enough. weird. <laughs> that, that's not weird. Hey, Rach, can I bring... Uh, can I go to Rach's wedding? Can I go to Rachel's wedding? And she's like, yeah, sure. So, like, you know, you're a solid relationship. When? Yeah. Oh, totally. So, yeah, no, no, it was, it was great. Fun. It was yeah, great. Yeah, wedding was super nice. Thank you. I don't like weddings very much, but I enjoyed yours. Thank you. Also, the fact that I got to drink nice champagne all night was Well, fun. yeah, that's right. We we and, we're not messing around here. That was it was good food and good drink. Your mom has excellent taste in alcohol, though, and I know it. So I was like excited. I was like, "Ooh, at least I'm going to be drinking good shit all night." Right? None of the cheap stuff. Actually, it wasn't that expensive. <laughs> I want to know what that champagne was, though, because it was delicious. Uh, I still have a bottle, so I can take a photo and send you a picture of the label. Why don't you just send me the bottle? So you might notice um, a change in the audio. We don't, we're not in the same place anymore. In addition to getting married, I also moved. So yeah, because she's a bitch. Because I'm, I'm a bitch, exactly. Uh, so if you do notice any changes in the audio um, or the production, it's because we are now doing this from a distance. Yes. Yeah, and we are constantly working to improve. We have done other episodes at a distance, though, to be fair. This is true. So, I don't think we made a big deal out of it like I'm doing right now, though. No, no we really haven't. You're just, <laughs> you're just fucking us over. That's what you're doing. <laughs> it's all part of the plan. 
So anyway, Rach, why don't you um, why don't we start with what we're what we're dealing with? Because this is one that I think is current, very current. This is current. So this um, this happened sort of over the last couple of years, uh, and the this guy that we're going to talk about, he actually had his trial this summer. Well, why don't you just fucking talk about him? Like, yeah, I guess I don't need to be coy. So. <laughs> There's no, yeah, no. <laughs> I, know, I know, right? So we're going to be discussing Blake Libel and uh, what he did to his girlfriend. And we'll get there. So Blake Libel was born and raised in Toronto. He was the second son of Eleanor and Lorne Libel, both of whom were very wealthy, sort of independently of one another. Blake's parents separated when he was young, uh, but they never divorced, probably for money issues. Uh, Blake lived with his mother while his older brother, Cody, stayed with his father. Uh, Blake was really close with his mother, but didn't have a great relationship with his dad. A family lawyer described them as estranged. This is Blake and his father. Um, A friend of Blake's said that his father wasn't a very loving man and that Blake wanted his father's attention and approval, but never got it. So Blake's father, as I understand, was kind of known as a bit of a showboater, right? Uh, yeah, he was, he was very showy with his money. Like, so, so Cody was with his father in this showy lifestyle, right? Uh, yes. And um, he was with his mother who was a little more strict. Is that the way that went? I don't, I don't remember. Um, yeah, I don't know if Eleanor was quite as flamboyant as Lauren mm-hmm. was. She came from money herself. Yeah, she was like a plastics heiress. Yeah, her father started a plastics company and made a load of money. Um, Lorne made his money in real estate. Yes, and that's yeah. how later on Cody made his money, right? Uh, yeah, I think Cody kind of, I guess, like went into the family business. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. I'm yeah, that's okay. We'll come back to Cody in a little bit. Hmm. Uh, so, interesting point about Lorne. He was an Olympic sailor. I know. And was the first Canadian to fail an Olympic drug test. I know. That's a kind of <laughs> interesting. So... And he also, if you look at photos of them all, and they, they described in one of the articles, because I looked up the, the photos, that... Um, uh, Blake was more of a spitting image of his dad. Mm. And it was true. And also, I think from a mental point of view, he was more like his dad, oddly. Yeah, well, he was also kind of maybe not as flamboyant and showy, but certainly was living this lifestyle, um, a very kind of rich lifestyle. So, yeah, okay. So they move like, so we're okay, continue because okay. you're on the timeline here. <laughs> All right, so in the mid- sorry, my bad. <laughs> you should be sorry. In the mid two thousands, Blake and a couple of his buddies moved to L A. Uh, and met other Torontonians there, um, who were all trying to make it in Hollywood, one way or another. Uh, it seemed like he moved around from job to job, never settling or finding any kind of real success. Uh, he founded a publishing house with his buddies, and they published their own comic books. I don't know how well they did with that because there's a story of Blake trying to, I think, just give away his comic books to comic book shops. Yeah, I heard the same thing. Yeah. Or read the same thing, I or, guess. Yeah. So they worked on a TV adaptation of Spaceballs, which I thought was interesting. I think I remember that. It was cartoon, wasn't it? It was a cartoon, yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I 
like I vaguely, vaguely remember that. And I tried to look it up and I didn't have a lot of, lot, a lot of success. It never, it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because no one can beat the original. Right. Why, why bother trying? I mean, like, (laughs) it's like, it's like raspberry. (laughs) Only one man would give me raspberry Raspberry jam. Lone Lone star. star. I'm surrounded by assholes. Like everybody, like, (laughs) So, just one great uh, moment after another. I know. Comb the desert. Like, honestly, <laughs> listeners, if you haven't seen it, like, you have to see that movie. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's fucking hilarious. I know. Just watch it. We'll wait. Pause it here. Yeah, pause it here. Go, <laughs> Go watch, watch baseball. Baseballs. Come back. Rachel, let's hold on a second. All right. We'll pick it up. Okay, um, we're back. <laughs> so, Blake wrote and directed a feature film called Bald that went straight to DVD. Uh, And this is quoting from the National Post. Bald was not widely panned because it was not widely seen. One of the few reviewers to see the film said it would only appeal to late night channel surfers who stumbled upon it while bored or inebriated. So that would be you. That is rough. (laughs) That is you. (laughs) You are that late night channel surfer that would totally watch that. No, because Bald was like a body comedy. And if I'm channel surfing late at night while drunk, I'm probably going to watch sci-fi or action. What was the other thing the reviewer said? Something about, like, crotches? Crotches? Yeah, there was, like, so the reviewer said, like, something about if you want to see crotches and black (laughs) panties and white panties and crotches. it's just a lot of upskirt stuff. Yeah, it's, like, basically just crotches. Like, the movie is funny. Like, I'm going to air quotes funny. Yeah. crotches that right that was, that and that gives terrible. you an insight into the kind of person who made this who would find panty shots funny oh come on that was all porkies for fuck's sake so that's, <laughs> that's not fair that's not a fair judgment of a future murderer because <laughs> there are lots of guys that would make shit about panties i guess i don't know it sounds <laughs> yeah. all very juvenile to me oh well yeah like fucking <laughs> He's probably like 25, has a boatload, a shit ton of money. (laughs) So, and what else is he doing? He's in LA with a bunch of buddies getting hammered, writing comics, and they make a fucking movie. And you don't think Tom Green was any better? Well, getting high, actually. He smoked just a ton of pot. Yeah, so did Tom Green. That was his thing. No, but you're saying like he's in LA getting drunk. It's like, no, his thing was getting high. That's what this guy did, like, a shit ton of weight. Almost professionally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after so the wait, so did Cheech and Chong, but they were hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> after the murder that Blake would eventually commit, newspapers described him as the as a scion or dilettante, which again gives you an idea of the kind of life that he led. Um, he lived off an allowance of about eighteen thousand dollars a month. I know, right? And he just right, spent but- his parents' money. That's all he did. He just spent money. He didn't make so, any. But here's the thing: is that the, and like whenever he would, and they would spend other money paying off his credit cards. Yeah. Like that was like, that was aside from that $18,000 a month. Like here's 18 grand son. Ha ha ha. Have a good time. Oh, by the way, here's also, we'll just pay off those credit. Like are you fucking kidding me? Like failure to launch. Right. <laughs> so one of his friends described him as quote, hyper intelligent, almost too smart for his own good. End quote. Oh, I've had that said about me almost. <laughs> To the exact thing. And I'm not saying that I'm smart. I'm just saying someone said it against me. And I'm. it was against me. And I have to say that, um, is that relative to their intelligence? Probably. Well, did you also have someone say, 
quote, he had these really big, cool ideas, but he could never really execute, end quote. Anyone say that about you? No. No? No, not yet. (laughs) Here's another one. A lot of people thought Blake was some sort of genius. Others thought he was a con artist and a salesman. So. No, because I'm shit at selling things. (laughs) (laughs) So Blake had a lot of ideas, but lacked the practical talent to turn these ideas into art. So he commissioned writers and illustrators to help him realize his vision. He first created a space opera comic book. Uh, then in 2010, came up with the idea for the graphic novel Syndrome. In it, Dr. Wolf Chitel. So, can what? I bring up something quickly? Sorry, go on. Well, let, so, me, just, let me just finish this part. So, okay, just, all right. um, sort of synopsizing Syndrome a little bit. So this guy, Dr. Chitel. Chitel is his mother's maiden, maiden name, by the way. Mm-hmm. He believes evil is a disease, and he studies serial killer, a serial killer in the hopes of being able to cure him. This will come back later. The Syndrome comic book. Can I make a point right now? If you go on Amazon.ca, which I did earlier today, and look up that book, mm-hmm. they changed the name. It's not Wolf. It's Wolf something else. It's not it's Chitel. Not, it's not Chitel anymore. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, I think, I think his name actually did change in different publications, like different editions. Well, it was not Chitel. It wasn't Chitel anymore? Okay. Well, I mean, if you're a publishing house and the guy fucking got like murdered, you wouldn't print that copy anyway anymore. Uh, I don't know if you carried it at all, to be perfectly honest. My no, that not is... making any money off of it. Um, so interviews with the artists who worked on the graphic novel back in 2010 said Blake gave them a loose concept and they're really the ones who came up with the finished product. Blake wanted credit, um, regardless of exactly how much work he put into Syndrome. An early edition has his biography following those of the writers, illustrator, and designer. In later editions, his name is at the top of the list. So again, just further insight into this guy. Mm. Um, yeah, at his trial, prosecutors make a big deal about Syndrome, claiming that this graphic novel served as a blueprint for the murder Mm. um and we'll get there so blake's mother died in 2011 of brain cancer and he didn't attend the funeral because he couldn't handle it he was like a complete wreck when his mother died because again like they were very close um but just again like he just couldn't get his shit together to go to his mother's funeral Mm. anyway um so he, he lost it after she died. He threw tantrums if he didn't get his way. And he'd lash out at people verbally. He'd berate people and then apologize. And he didn't like being alone. Uh, also just kept on smoking all that pot. Um, so as I said, Eleanor was wealthy. Uh, she left Blake her $5.5 million home. Mm-hmm. In addition to a lot of money. In Forest Hill, so it is. Yes. So I know, like we all know that neighborhood. But we for probably, those who don't, we, Forest Hill is a very rich neighborhood in Toronto. And five point five million dollars is like your average house there. Yes. Yeah. Like, and this was in like it was five point five five years ago, so now it's probably eight million. Fuck, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. So, and we probably Rachel you and I probably walked by that house because we had to for work. I'm sure that we have. so uh and it's so in addition to this 5.5 million dollar home he gets his money but it's less money than he expected 
Thinking his father had managed to have her will changed at the last minute, Blake contested the will in an attempt to get what he thought was coming to him, something around $12 million. So he's just really greedy. Yeah. So he lost that um, suit, I suppose, if you want to call it that. (laughs) And then he was sued by the lawyers who represented him because he didn't pay them. It was like four hundred thousand dollars or something. Something like that. 40, it was like yeah. something. It was a huge amount. It was well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but like, <laughs> what the hell, dude? Um. So Blake's friends believe his mother's death precipitated a change in him. He started acting erratic, as I said. Started, pu- and he also started pushing people away. Um, but that same year in 2011. He married Amanda Braun, and in April, they married in March, and in April, she gave birth to their first son. Shotgun! I write. <laughs> and by all accounts, Blake was a caring father, and the family was happy. Uh, during his time in, L- in L.A., Blake attended a few underground high-stakes poker games. Uh, these were games organized by Molly Bloom, and that's that movie Molly's Game. Yeah. It's about these poker games that she organized. Blake's brother, Cody, he attended these games much more frequently. He even hosted a few. Um, and Cody was a whale, meaning a player with more money than skill. And mm. he once lost a million dollars in one poker game. Which, that's a lot of money to me. I think that's a lot of money to lose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unless you are talking in, with these people where you get $18,000 allowance and your parents right. always bail you out <laughs> and you know, they just, you would just inherit their $5.5 million house. And that's not including the other assets, which you would have inherited. Right. And, and to me, like all of the stuff that I read implied that Cody didn't necessarily have a major gambling problem. He liked gambling and he would lose big occasionally, yeah. but he wasn't a habitual gambler to the point of like fucking up his life no no he wasn't an addict or anything like that he just he enjoyed it but he wasn't very good at it yeah and and i think that i think that that has to be said because a lot of people think oh gambling so on and so forth there's problem gamblers and there's not and i don't like i don't know personally but from what i read that it didn't seem like it seemed like he was a hobby hobby rich boy gambler who wanted to show off and fucking lost and everybody would love him at the table because he would just give the money yeah so it's important to the story because blake grew increasingly worried about cody um and his possible connections to the russian mob through the poker games um and also i get he did sports betting as well so i guess blake envisioned all of these mob connections through cody's gambling debts and also, like, I would always have to question if he also, his, Blake's dad didn't want uh, him to inherit a lot of money. He was going to leave most of the money to Cody because he thought that Blake was going to be cared for by his mother, right? Yeah, well, Blake and his dad didn't have a very good relationship. As yeah. I said earlier, they were estranged. So it just makes sense that Lauren would want to give more money to Cody because they have a better relationship. Also, I think he thought Cody was more responsible. Yeah. And so, I don't, like, I don't like know, maybe... gambling notwithstanding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think in terms of, like, investing the money appropriately. Well, also, like, Blake had a job. Like, he was doing... He had a multi, multi-million dollar home. He had all these other things. Like, he was a businessman. Like, he was Cody, doing... That, yeah, Cody, or sorry. Cody was doing the whole... Um, like, like he, was, he was being part of the family, essentially, and, like, 
touting his father's business. But he was in L.A. doing it. But, but yeah, and Blake's just a playboy, essentially. Yeah, well, I don't know if he's a playboy, but he's like a geek with a lot of money, as far as I could tell. Well, anyway, the point is, Blake <laughs> got paranoid about Cody's gambling debts and thought maybe that his son was in danger. And so he yeah. wrote to a friend in 2015 saying, if the baby and I were to pass, Cody would have extra money to pay these people, meaning these crime syndicates that he believed mm-hmm. his brother owed money to. Um, again, from this letter that he wrote, he could he could tell them that, as in like Cody could tell the syndicate uh, that he'd have the money to pay them. Uh, and they could come after us for the big take. So this is Blake getting paranoid. Yeah, just a little. Yeah. So shortly after sending this message, Blake walked out on Amanda. Right. And she was eight months pregnant with their second child when he did this. <sighs> Such a dick move. A week after walking out on her, he filed for divorce. Mm-hmm. He got an apartment in West Hollywood and then shacked up with his new girlfriend, Iana Cassian. Iana moved to the States from Ukraine sometime in 2014 or 2015. I don't know how or when she met Blake. But, like, I think less than a year after moving in together, she was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at, so, interviews that I saw with her mother was that she always wanted a baby, though. Okay. So, so and not like an anchor baby, because he's Canadian. It doesn't really hold the same amount of sway with American authorities. But, um, She just yeah, wanted a baby. She wanted a baby, like, just, just desperately. Okay. And, and to be fair, from what I also read, like, he was, like, if... And if you think about it, he was a catch. Like, Blake was a catch. Like, he was rich. He had everything going for him. Like, he was, you know, involved in some Hollywood projects, which is better than a lot of people in Hollywood <laughs> at the same well, age. I would say like, he had everything going, but he probably talked himself up. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But at the same you know, when, so the, when she, we're all... He was attractive to her for yeah, and at, at a number time, of reasons. Yeah, at the same time, like, if we're all in that honeymoon phase rich guy, lots of money, somewhat successful, like, you know, like it's, it's a draw for some people. Mm-hmm. So especially yeah. for a girl who comes over with the American dream in her head. Right. And like, and that's fine. Like she, she went after what she wanted. Good for her. Mm. So unbeknownst to either Iana or Amanda, Blake was seeing a third woman named Constance. Oh, I had no idea about this. Oh, yeah. This this is insane. Okay, so Constance claims their relationship started out professional, then became sexual. Mm-hmm. She also said Blake had been obsessed with her for years and had stalked her. I don't know why then you would go out with this person. Yeah. Hey, he seems like, he seems like he's interested, so why not? <laughs> exactly. What the fuck is wrong with you? So in November 2015, Blake helped her hire a lawyer after she had some kind of like weird run-in with the police. Then in December, he bought a house in West Hollywood and Constance moved into that house. According to... Wait, he bought it or his parents? Well, it's, I mean, he bought it. It's his name. Like, right, he owns the parents. house. But it's his, so parents. his parents. Assume that all of this money comes from his parents. Okay. That's, right. not, that's not necessarily fact, but that's what our it also, it also doesn't really matter. The point okay. is, um, <laughs> so I, I have this quote here from a source, quote, Blake would refer to her as his fiance and sometimes his wife, end quote. They were together for six weeks. And she continued to live in the house after they split up. 
So Constance reached out to Amanda, and the two formed a bond over hating Iana. Amanda wrote to Constance, quote, Blake hates everyone from his past, his family and most of his friends. He only sees them if he needs something. He speaks horribly of everyone and cuts people off at the drop of a hat. He is very ill, end quote. So again, this is more, not proof, but further suggesting that something is wrong with Blake, that he kind of fell off the deep end after his mother died and he's just getting worse. Mm -hmm. A friend of Blake's... Um, says he was growing increasingly paranoid around this time, which we can see in this letter that uh, Amanda wrote. Um, again, he cut ties with his friends. He stopped speaking with this guy, Trevor Goring, who uh, is an illustrator that he'd hired to work on a new graphic novel. And that just didn't go anywhere because Blake just kind of, you know, dropped off the map. He was also smoking just a ton of weed, as I said, uh, and may have been doing shrooms. Um, Iana didn't like his drug use and she'd complained about it to her mother. This guy, Trevor, the illustrator, he says Blake got back in touch in early May 2016 after Iana gave birth to their daughter. So this baby girl was born on May 3rd and Iana's mother, Olga, had arrived from Ukraine to support her daughter through the final days of her pregnancy and to be there when the baby was born. Um, little side note here, Olga and her granddaughter share the same birthday. Right. Well, that's nice. Okay, so whatever happiness this baby brought into their lives, it was short-lived. A few days after the baby's birth, Blake went kind of crazy. He kept the windows closed and the curtains drawn. He blasted the AC all the time, even in the baby's room. And when Iana complained, he told her to go to her mother's, and she had an apartment nearby. So, Iana, she'd, like, leave for the night and then return mm. home. So, kind of, the fell into this kind of cycle. Then on May 20th, so baby was born on May 3rd. On May 20th, Blake was arrested for rape. Was he? What? Yeah. This woman, Constance, made the complaint. She a said, complaint or the charge? She she made, it's, I guess, like filed a complaint of, for rape and then the police laid charges. Okay, you can't, you can't complain. You either... It's called a complaint. I think that's a technical term for it. No, it's a complaint. Anyway, the point is, really, I'm sorry, but that seems really Constance underhand. accused him of rape. Okay. She said the assault happened months ago when they had first started dating. Uh, she said that he had assaulted, he had assaulted her multiple times and had given her an STD. The rape allegation came about a month after Blake had evicted her from that house that he'd bought that she was living in. Right. So he kicks her out. She says he raped her. Right. She says, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it would come out later that Constance just made the whole thing up. Uh -huh. Blake had never assaulted her. Um, and then uh, Amanda and Constance's relationship, you know, started to sour. Wow. For a guy who's already kind of paranoid, that probably didn't help the situation. Not at all. <laughs> um, Amanda thought Constance was dangerous and cut mm -hmm. off contact with her. She right. took out a temporary restraining order against Constance and said Constance admitted to making up the rape allegation. And that she'd been plotting against Blake ever since she'd been dumped. So even while she was still living in the house, she was thinking of ways to, like... To get To get back, back at him. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, Constance responded to their straining order by threatening to kill herself if Amanda didn't talk to her. So... Wow. Yeah. 
She's fucking crazy. Well, it's just, and I would like to say that these guys, except for Yana, seem all to be kind of not. I, I think Amanda's like she's relative. She's normal. She's just dealing with all this craziness around her. So she has this like ex-husband now who kind of mm. just dumped her for one reason or another who's slowly with, going off the deep end with two kids with two kids and now there's this constant woman who won't leave her alone right um okay blake spent 15 hours in custody before posting bail um it was iana and amanda actually got him out it was a hundred thousand dollar bail i heard uh it was a good amount of money yeah, was it? Yeah. that's solid um, according to a number of people, Blake was tased when the cops arrested him, and Amanda told her friends the tasering, quote, threw him into a psychotically angry state of mind, unquote. So, I don't know. Make of that what you will. I don't make anything of that, because I don't think anybody knows what those terms actually mean. I know. I just... think she just, he was really angry, and Amanda believed the tasering, I guess, triggered something in him. So no, I, super I, I agree, but I hate it when people use the word psychotic and i'll get into this later mm -hmm. without knowing exactly what that entails being angry doesn't make you psychotic yeah so but she's and, i don't think she's using it in a clinical sense no no and that's but and that's what i'm saying is like that's because it's, it's just it's, a word that we use like in day to day and it just I, you know, know we throw it around anyway i know and i'm gonna go into a little bit of a lecture later on why <laughs> these things are important that we don't <laughs> fucking do this <laughs> all right so Blake posts bail, goes home, and then Iana goes to her mother's place. Doesn't want to be around him, I guess, because he's so crazy angry. Mm -hmm. So that happened on May 20th. On May 24, Blake reached out to Iana, apologizing, telling her that he couldn't live without her. She agreed to meet him, at, um, but that night Iana hadn't returned home after going to meet Blake, so Olga, her mother went to the apartment, but no one came to the door. On May 25th, Olga went to the police and convinced the deputy to, the deputy to go with her to Blake and Iana's place. Again, nobody answered the door. Olga wanted the cops to break down the door, but they didn't think they had enough of a reason to do so. Um, and then, you know, it's like Iana, and I guess in the eyes of the police, she hadn't even been missing for a full 24 hours at that point. Um, Something I found out recently, an adult doesn't have to, you don't have to wait 24 hours to file a missing persons report or to attempt to do so for an adult. That's just like TV stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Like if you have good reason to believe that something's happened to someone and they've gone missing. Right. Yeah. Anyway. That's a, that's a good piece of information. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. Around 1.40 a.m. on May 26th, a woman walking her dog saw two people arguing near Blake and Iana's apartment. These dates might be a little skewed. Again, because right. I'm drawing from a lot of different sources here. And so dates and times kind of get a little like they get lost in the mix a bit. Mm -hmm. So this woman who was out walking her dog, she saw a dark haired European uh, woman arguing with a curly haired man. He was yelling after she walked away. Um, and that's all that this dog walker saw. Olga returned to the police station on May 26. This time, they broke into the apartment where they found Iana and Blake barricaded inside the bedroom. 
Iana was on the bed. She had been scalped and was missing an ear. Uh, Blake was standing off to the side. When police confirmed that Iana was dead, Blake said something like, well, then I guess you better find out who did it. In his deposition, Detective Robert Martindale said of Blake, quote, he didn't care that she was dead. It's kind of that sociopath type of look on his face, like, I don't care that she's dead. I didn't do it. He had no feelings whatsoever, end quote. Uh, Blake was charged with one count each of murder, mayhem, aggravated mayhem, and torture. Uh, so here we're going to get into some details a little bit. The average human body contains about five liters of blood. Iana had less than a teaspoon in her. How, how do you even do that? Well, I'll tell you. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah. She had bite marks I'm on her I'm so not impressed by the fact that I asked that question. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to like the answer. No, so I know I'm not. In okay. addition to having been scalped, she had bite marks on her face, defenses, wounds on her arms and wrists. Um, these wouldn't have killed her. All of this blood loss came from the scalping. The so, scalping? Yeah, here we go. All right, a dead body can't bleed out. Which means that Iana had been alive as she bled, like, she bled, she basically, like, bled she, to death. Was she, like, hung upside down? Is yeah. there, like, a... Okay, so it's nearly impossible for someone to bleed to death from a scalping. Yeah, thank which you. Which is why a professor of anatomy from the University of South Carolina suggested that Iana's legs were likely elevated over her head. The prosecution theorized Blake put Iana in the bathtub and put her head under the faucet. The running water would prevent the blood from clotting. Right. So this would also explain why her body was really clean when she was found. Yeah. So put her Ew. in the tub, turned on the faucet, and lifted her legs, and that's how she died, bleeding wow. into the that bathtub. Is... That is so awful. And she was missing an ear. Yeah, that came off as part of, during the scalping. Because right. cut, when he cut her, he cut around one of her ears. Right. So she was alive during all of this. Yes, she was. And then very, oh. and it would have taken a while to bleed to death from that head wound right yeah so well holy fuck <laughs> i yeah that's <laughs> fucked up i have some well i have some if are you, are you done by nope, the way i got a little bit more to go here okay all right <laughs> okay so yana's body was very clean which is why they theorized like she'd blood out in the bathtub mm -hmm. the apartment had also been cleaned Blake had tried to wash the place of blood but blood evidence was found throughout the apartment in the bedrooms and bathrooms and in the hall you think Right? Because the scalping probably took place in a bedroom, and then he brought her to the bathroom. Uh, garbage chute in the hall empties into a dumpster, and in that dumpster, police found a total of 11 drawstring garbage bags. Oh, lovely. Yeah, inside the bags, clumps of hair, her ear, and her scalp. They oh. also found bloody towels, bedding, and clothes. So, like, it was all right there. At his trial, prosecutors pointed out similarities between Lyle's graphic, or sorry, Blake's graphic novel Syndrome and Iana's death. I said we'd come back to this. Yeah. Um, so. Did you actually see the scene that they're talking about? Yeah, you can see it. It's on the internet, just that panel. Yeah. So on one panel, a couple is hanged by their feet and they are bled out. In another, a decapitated woman is sprawled on a bed. And on the cover, a baby doll has part of its scalp removed, exposing the brain. Yeah. So prosecutors argued that um, this... He was, 
This is a fantasy. It's and... a, well, sort of like, you know, he had he, this graphic novel, as I said earlier, was used as a blueprint because there are the similarities between scenes in the graphic novel and the murder scene. Mm-hmm. Prosecutors argued that Blake was angry at his fiance for paying more attention to their baby than to him. That's why he scalped Diana and let her bleed out. Deputy District Attorney Beth Silverman argued that Blake drew inspiration from Syndrome, pointing out the similarities between the panels, as I said. Um, Blake's lawyer, a public defender, um, I'm going to mispronounce his name, my apologies, Heide Takasugi, said the prosecution was using Syndrome to make up for a lack of motive, which I'm inclined to believe because I don't know if this being angry is really enough. For that hmm. level of violence. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Okay, it took the jury roughly three hours to find Blake guilty of torture, mutilation, and murder. He was sent- sentenced to life without parole. Uh, Ian's daughter is being raised in Ukraine by Olga and an aunt. Said Olga of Yana's murder, quote, Blake didn't just kill her, he killed all of us. End quote. And that's the end. Well, not quite the the end. (laughs) Well, I've come to the end of my portion of this story. So, (sighs) Torontonian moves to L.A., kills his girlfriend in the most horrible way imaginable. Uh, Well, yeah, that that is pretty terrible. I'm I'm sure there are people who could imagine worse. I don't want to think of them, but whatever. All right. What do you got for us? So I looked up the California laws for a few different things. So well, one, I, one I was about mayhem because that's an unusual. You don't really hear that a lot. I know. So mayhem, we always think about the phrase that we do. Like it was absolute mayhem. It's like craziness, Cra- right? Yeah, just yeah. insanity. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in California law, it's maliciously depriving another human being of a body part. Uh, severe burns and scarring are also a part of this. Aggravated mayhem is um, having an extreme indifference to the physical or psychological welfare of a victim. So, and okay. then like for mayhem, it must be a, like a temporary, like or sorry, it can't be temporary. It has to be permanent. So like if I cut off your ear, that could be mayhem. If I like cut your face and it scars, that's mayhem. But if I like, and this is where I think things are a little bit blurry. If I like cut off your finger and then I reattach it and it's reattached, I'm like, is that mayhem? Because there's permanent scarring, but you got it back and it's still functional. I don't know. Like I'm just saying that could be argued. Right. Yeah. So um, it is under the California Penal Code of uh, 203 and 205 PC. And it is sentences in California just for mayhem, just regular mayhem, by the way two, four, or eight years in prison, depending on the offense, and a fine up to $10,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. Aggravated is life in state prison, probably because oh. you show no remorse. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your defense is against mayhem, by the way, if you ever get charged for this. <laughs> Go to California <laughs> and commit mayhem. Yeah, exactly. It was not intentional, a.k.a. it was an accident. Like... <laughs> I, you know, I was threatening him and I pissed, he pissed me off and I just threw the knife and I fucking accidentally cut his finger off. I didn't mean to mutilate him. (laughs) Which would be, oh wait, we'll we'll get to that. Um, Self-defense or falsely accused. Oh, okay. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you go for, if your defense, if your lawyer is good and he's like, you know, this was all just a fucking accident, but it just happened. You're going to go for battery, which is if people, which is what people argue, if it's a weak case for mayhem and it's six months and or up to $2,000 of fines. I feel like six months isn't enough. <laughs> I would agree with that, but <laughs> just gonna I'm just put that up there. I'm just saying that that is that is a lot. Okay. So torture, on the other hand, which this case kind of comes around to, which would be kind of torturing this woman under well, a that, fucking faucet. Yeah. Um, it'd be uh, under the penal code two hundred and six in California law, and it's a life sentence and up to ten thousand dollars. Yeah. I don't the fine is just I don't know. I I don't yeah. know about that fine. I know, I know. It's like, oh yay, so the ten grand is ten like grand. going to who? And like what? Like I Court I, fees? I don't yeah. that's just that's weird. The bailiff? I don't know. So <laughs> Okay. I did some research into this as you know on the psychology of things like this. And like Yes. It is very difficult to pin down because you have to be a psychologist and talk to the person in order to assess them, right? Well, so he, he went for a psychological evaluation. I couldn't find a lot of information about that, so that's why I didn't really include it, but just did my best to kind of allude to and, and a for, psychological state. And for our listener out there, I just want to say that all of this research that I've done is based on the fact that I've done some like in in university, I've done some very preliminary studies in psychology. Yeah, that is one thing. Also, another thing is just like I am going on the symptoms that have been that I researched in the case, mm -hmm. in the case alone. And that is not to say I didn't look up any transcripts. I'm just going to caveat this as like I am just going purely on what we have discussed today. Yep, and not on anything else. So like, don't. I'm just giving you pure facts about perhaps what could have been the cause. And if I were just a defense lawyer, what maybe I would say reason for insanity, please, would be right. kind of the cause, right? So so I did a, a lot of research. I looked up some of my old texts and stuff, but I really found the, uh, the CAMH website very handy. Uh, so camh.ca, so cmh.ca, that's Maybe very... explain what camh is to those who <laughs> might have never heard of it before. It's it's addiction and health, mental health uh, yeah. website. And it's actually one of the forefronts in the world right now. It's actually um, uh, kind of put together a community of people that all understand what's going on with people. And they actually have a, a really good... Um, how would I explain this community set up to deal with people with mental problems so that they can reintegrate them into society. Yeah. And it, and it has actually been recognized throughout the world as being on the forefront of a lot of research on mental health issues. So the one mental health issue that I could really come up with that might fit the description based on what we've been talking about today is schizophrenia. Yeah. Agreed. It's not really well understood. Um, I looked up a study in from 2002. Unfortunately, it's a bit old to be completely relevant, but still kind of it's better than nothing. Yeah, it is really better than nothing. So how many, Rach, how many people do you think of you meet in Canada? Like how many, like out of how many have schizophrenia? Oh my God. Um, 
like out of like the total population, like a percentage? Yeah, yeah like one in like I meet one in ten million people. Like oh, so, okay. so it's it's basically like so the st- stat is is that sociopaths and psychopaths it's one of a hundred. Okay. And so. business situations actually four out of a hundred. <laughs> but for schizophrenics, yeah, I uh, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. Actually, I'd say maybe one out of every 2,000. One out of 100. One out of 100. Wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because it can be something where you have like one, you have one episode. And where that's it. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, and, then, and then it goes away and you never have yeah. it again. Right. So it's just people who are consistently ill is is part of the problem, right? So um psychosis and this is where i get in the whole thing of psychotic and you know like what we perceive psychotic the definition of psychosis really is just a loss of contact with reality mm-hmm. so if you're super angry it doesn't mean you're psychotic it just means you're fucking angry yeah so, so psychosis is completely different like psychosis can mean that you're not necessarily angry you could be depressed you could be elated you could be whatever you just have no idea well, I think there's also a difference between um, one is actually like um, like a psychological affliction, let's call it, and one is actually like a medical state or like there's something medically wrong with you that will cause psychosis. Yeah, and as so opposed psych- to having something like you know. But that's but that's our vernacular, and so psychosis in the psychological sense is loss of contact with reality. Psychotic and being psychotic is is being in that moment. If you're like that guy's psychotic, he's lost he's lost sense of reality. But he could also just be really fucking angry and totally knows where he is. Mm-hmm. So like it's it's a very different thing, and that's where it's a fine line, but it's an important line because psychosis is kind of uh, a precursor to a bigger mental issue whereas anger is not necessarily as such no well i'll say this so blake's grandma i think i can don't remember his maternal or paternal grandmother had i i think she was bipolar mm. so there is a history of mental illness there in the family Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can make an argument one way or the other whether he's predisposed to mental illness. Right. But from what I read about this case and what I gleaned from his behavior, I think he was definitely on the decline there mentally. Yeah. And, and I then, agree. Yeah. And par- the paranoia was. And had a psychological right? break. Yeah. So the paranoia definitely didn't help. And then you have. So symptoms of. And, and I'd like to. So symptoms of psychosis are delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, and disorganized behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of physical expression of emotion, um, which is like called the flat effect. Yep. And that's super important because, I mean, that's something that he displayed through all the reports of like when the cops picked him up. And then yeah, after, very, like, like, like no affect whatsoever. No, totally flat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, disorganized speech. I don't know necessarily, but definitely delusions. Maybe that comes in. Yeah, exactly. Delusions can be included in the paranoia. So on and so forth. Right. So, I mean, uh, people who are psychotic or sorry, psychotic. Now I'm getting my. (laughs) Now you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Now people, people who are schizophrenic tend to be, have difficulty starting and finishing tasks. 
but that could be, and again, like you can't sit there and be like, oh, that's my neighbor, Bob, because that's confirmation bias, right? No, like, <laughs> so, I can have difficulty starting and finishing yeah, tasks. Exactly. And I, I don't know like that to, I'm not schizophrenic. I don't like to do my fucking laundry. doesn't make me schizophrenic. <laughs> right. So there's a difference between procrastination mm-hmm. and this is a bigger issue. Uh, serious mental illness. Um, yeah. Speaking less and not at all is also another thing. And women tend not, they can have a break but they tend not to display some of these things more than men do. Mm-hmm. Um, and t- the, the one thing that bothers me about this case though, is that if he is proved to be schizophrenic, it's a really rare case that schizophrenia um, leads to violence. I it's know. actually the reverse. Most, so usually victims yeah, of violence. Most, yeah. Most, most people with mental illnesses are victims of violence yeah. and not the perpetrators. And the interesting, another stat that was super sad Thanks for the research. Ten uh, percent of schizophrenics die by suicide. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's pretty so, upsetting. Yeah, it's super upsetting. So, like, even I think that we have to take away from this, even if Blake is not schizophrenic, which is the only thing I could find that suited. I mean, obviously, we don't have all the details of the case, but it was the only thing that I could find that suited all of the the yeah. symptoms. Well, I don't think he um, was in his right mind. So, I think I think we can also take this as like an educational aspect of being basically being like these people need help and not everybody's violent. And if he was in this case, like don't take it as a rule, take it as an exception. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, it's sad sort of what happened in the end. Mm. Uh, But like people, what's also sad is that people around him saw the change in him. And for one reason or another, he didn't get any help. Well, I mean, it's hard. I mean, and it's it's incredibly difficult to well, deal you with and, I, and you don't know, you don't know where to turn or what to do. And yeah, and you and I, we know someone sort of in this situation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you can reach out, but you can't really get anything back. And yeah, like you can't. And if they don't do want anything. help, well, mm-hmm. then what do you do? Yeah. Well, exactly, and and you know, like you. There's only so much the authorities can do unless they self-harm or harm someone. Uh, yeah, well, you can. I think it's the same in the United States and in Canada. You can um, ask for so, a wellness check with the provision that you believe this person is suffering from some type of mental illness. And so um, the police you, can then put you, bring you for observation. Yes. And yeah. you can be observed by a professional a mental health yeah. professional yeah and, and then that kind of diagnosis or something along those lines so but that just didn't happen that, in this case yeah and in that case you don't call 911 you call your police and they do yes. a wellness check yes yes yeah that's so there, an issue well i think that like i mean we should probably do a mini episode on why not to call 911 unless it's a fucking emergency oh. <laughs> yes my sister-in-law is a 911 operator oh really <laughs> yeah I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so. We should get her on. You know, we, can, we can get her to share some ridiculous and terrible stories. Of this. Well, you see it in the news all the time. People call yeah, 911 for all kinds of stupid shit. And having and having been a person that called 911 and I needed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a life or death situation, but it was not a good situation. It was not fun. And then another, I've actually been in three situations with 911. Like I've, I've only I've only had to call once, but the other two times I was a a witness. Yeah. And I have first aid experience. Yeah. 
and that was not fun. But the, and like one was a dude who fell asleep at the wheel and fucking ran off the road. And someone else had been there, but I was like the third person who got there. Yeah. So. I called, I had to call 911 for a car accident on the highway that happened right in front of me. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Because you didn't fucking show up on time, you bitch. I know. It was so late. And then I came upon another car accident. It had just happened. This is so weird. So there's like a big, huge curve in the road. This is on the highway. Um, Between, I think it was outside of Kitchener, Ontario, for anybody who cares. No. Big curve. So I'm coming around the curve in the road, and then I see this car in the middle of the highway on its side. Oh. And the driver was still in the car, and he's just sort of sitting there, like, clearly in shock. So this had, like, just happened. Um, so everybody was pulling over. And one of the guys who pulled over happened to be a firefighter. Um, so he's technically the first responder. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he's, he took care of business. And then another time, a third time was just a couple of years ago. There was a massive, massive car accident in downtown Toronto. And the two cars caught fire. Oh, wow. And everybody was on the phone trying to dial 911. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not getting involved in that. There's no, like, yeah. there's no point. Um, but yeah, so I've been in situations where I could have made, someone else had made the call first. And then that one time where I made the phone call and it was, they don't say, what's your emergency? They ask what you need. Yeah. No, Fire, they ask me- ambulance or police. And I'm like, yeah, all no, of no. them? I just saw a car accident. <laughs> I did. I did not say that when I when I got it. I said ambulance. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it sucked. It was not fun. They were they were very nice, and they were like, "What's your emergency?" And I'm trying to talk to the person in distress at the time. Yeah. And trying to like like organize the nine one one call. It's you're just like so you're like hold on a second to the phone, and you're like, "Why am I telling them to hold on? Like it really should not going be. anywhere." I yes. also like I shouldn't be concerned about being polite. But you just, like, the phone etiquette is sort of drilled into us. I know, right? I know, I know. Yeah. Excuse me a second. Aren't you dying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, I think there could have been a, an argument to be made for Blake's altered mental state. Agreed. At the time yeah. of Iana's murder. For all the... For all intents and purposes, I I agree with that. Yeah. Um, it was gruesome and brutal, but I think that it was like for a couple of years there were symptoms being displayed that maybe indicated that. But at the same time, as we know, I'm not a psychologist, and you're not a psychologist, no. so it's for the courts to decide. No, and he'd never been violent before. He was just weird. Yeah, he was always just a little weird, acting weird, but he'd never been violent. Um, to any of his wives or girlfriends. So, but it probably didn't help that he was surrounded by Creed, like this Constance character who's a complete nutter. Yeah, I'm no, sure no. that didn't help having her in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway. Yeah, so Canadians well, abroad committing murder. Yeah, so um, let's go on to something happier. Sure. You want to hear about a ridiculous crime? I do, and then I'll tell you about a ridiculous law. Okay, so this is actually on the subject of calling 911. Oh. <laughs> so a Toronto man called 911 
twice to complain <laughs> that his car had been impounded and the police wouldn't drive him all the way to Kingston. What? <laughs> so this guy was, so the speed limit on uh, highways in Canada is 100 kilometers per hour. So, no, that's the 400 series. That's, sorry, the 400 series highway. My apologies. You're right. In Ontario. In Ontario. So this guy um, Too slow. was driving. <laughs> oh, he wasn't on a 400 series highway. He was on Highway 15. No, so it's 80. Was... Anyway, he was going more than 56 kilometers per hour over the speed limit. Correct. Which is really fucking fast. So he's going 130, essentially, in an 80. Well, it might have been. It doesn't say if it was an 80 or a 100 hour. Well, high- if it's. Highway 15 would not be a 400 series highway. Everything else is either 80 or 90. Might have been 90. Anyway, the guy's going really effing fast. Um, Ontario has stunt driving laws for excessive speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're going that fast, your car is immediately impounded and towed away. Mm-hmm. And your license is suspended. And your license is suspended and you get a huge fucking fine. So this guy... <laughs> So he's like stranded in the middle of nowhere and he demands the police drive him to Kingston because, you know, he's too far from home without a car. So the police are like, we'll take you to Smith's Falls, but we're not going to take you any further. So it's just like the closest town to wherever they were. He didn't like that. So we called 911 to complain. And then mm-hmm. the 911 operator is like, don't waste my time with this bullshit. He called again. So he called 911 twice because the police who impounded his car would not drive him home. Hmm. Idiot. So there you go. All Reasons right. not to call 911. All right. Well, I was kind of going to say something that, like, for my strange laws in Canada, um, but I went to slice.ca and I found something that was more interesting, <laughs> which was... What animals are legal to own in Canada? What exotic pets? Oh, okay. All right. So you can own a capybara, which is a hamster that grows to be the size of a mid-sized dog. Yeah, it is, I think, the largest rodent. Mm -hmm. Apparently, they're quite tame. Yep. Uh, (laughs) They sometimes escape the zoo. Yes, they do. Yes, there was a big story (laughs) about that. The second one is the munchak deer, the native to South that? Asia. These are tiny deer, and they're affectionate, playful, and easy to train. They can even be taught to use a litter box, just like a cat. <laughs> Known as the barking deer for the sound they make that's not far off from a canine barking dog. Oh, the species will grow to just 10 pounds, and at, adult, at full adult weight, uh, others can grow up to 90 pounds. I would love to have one of those. By the oh, way, it's weird. M-U-N-T-J-A-C. Oh, easy to pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> so it's legal oh, to yeah. own one. Yep. Serval, the Serval cat. My friend wants to own one of these. I know all about these. Uh, they look like a leopard, uh, temperament of a house cat, but they're massive compared to house cats. Like uh, they require a lot of size or bigger? Yeah, like way bigger. They look like almost like a Bengal cat, but they're like huge. Okay. Yeah. Weird. yeah they're very, very big. Um, Pot bellied pig. I know because I ran into one of those on really? my walk. Yep. You guys see it? My dog has a... Um, I have not a, seen the run-in with a pig. 
Oh yeah, yeah. No, my dog had. A, I have an Instagram account for my dog, and we ran into one on a walk because someone owns one as a pet. Yeah, and it had escaped, and it was just like on the lawn. Oh, like, oh my god! Seven in the morning, and my dog's like, murr, 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 like kind of like going towards the animal, and I'm like, what the fuck? Because I'm seven in the morning, I'm not awake. So <laughs> yeah, my dog's name is Lando. So Lando like is fully interested in this pig, and the pig is like, <laughs> right, like totally going on it. It's totally, it's it's all on Instagram. Aww, cute. But I, yeah, super cutie. But yeah, one of the kids didn't realize that the his pig had gotten loose. The pig got loose. <laughs> All right, sugar gliders. I don't Teeny know what that little is. Little marsupials from Australia, Indonesia, New Guinea, and got their name from the fact that they suck sweet nectar out of fruits and sap from trees. Okay. They live on treetops. Uh, they're communal creatures, so it'd be cruel to have one of these just one. Um, but they literally die from loneliness, so you have to get a. Oh, that is so sad. And they're really cute looking, by oh the way. Oh my god. Um, hedgehogs. You can have a hedgehog. Oh yeah, plenty of people have hedgehogs. Yeah. Uh, oh, I just skipped one. That's Sorry. not that exotic. The hyacinth macaw, native of South America. It looks like a okay. very pretty parrot. Yep. All right, pygmy goat. Fine. <laughs> oh, you can have a wallaby. Aw, they're cute. I've actually eaten one. <laughs> <laughs> it was delicious. Because <laughs> I've had kangaroo and it was really dry. So I had a no. Well, you're not having kangaroo properly then. But like I, I have had a wallaby. So when I was in Oz, um, the guys that were with you are not supposed to, but they had one anyway, and they roasted it and like slow roasted it, and it was it was delicious. Aww. Anyway, so wallaby, <laughs> you can have one though. And you eat have, it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You can have a mini donkey. Aww. And you can have a fennec fox. A fox? A fennec fox. It's F-E-N-N-E-C fox. Is it actually a type of fox? These tiny foxes, their body length averages about nine inches with a weight between 1.5 and 3.5 pounds. Oh my God. They're like a little chihuahua. That's They're so becoming weird. popular as pets. Uh, they're, independent, they're as independent as cats while being as, as affectionate as dogs. They're wow. from North Africa. It's adapted to dry desert-like climates and don't require a lot of water. They have an omnivorous diet. Uh, they eat rodents, insects, birds of prey, and other 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 sorry birds and other prey. Birds of and, prey, okay. Well, and birds and other prey. It could be birds of prey. <laughs> and their highly sensitive ears make them formidable hunters. This is a super cute thing. It almost looks like the fox from um, the Little Prince. Aww. Okay. Yeah, you'll want to keep them confined to a cage unless you want to see them become a phoenix. Oh, sorry. If you have gerbils or anything, they're gonna be they're gonna eat them. Right. Okay. So maybe right. don't have the hedgehog and the fox. Yeah. So there you go. The other. Exotic right. pets. Exotic pets. Some of which I don't think were all that exotic, but maybe. No, just I know. Me. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's all I got. That's me too. I'm I'm done. So thank you for joining us. Um, I hope you stick with us through season two. Yeah, we have a lot on the docket. What do we got coming up? Stuff and things. Stuff and or things. Um, We'll take a closer look at um, mental health uh, and mental illness uh, as it relates to Canadian crime. Mm -hmm. What else have you got? Some cults. We're going to do another yeah. cult this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Some family, disor- this dysfunctional family stuff. Dysfunctional family stuff. Yep. Major failures 
uh, in law enforcement and uh, protecting citizens from mm -hmm. danger. What else? Yeah, oh, we've, we've got all we kinds just got of fun stuff. Yeah, oh. so uh, stick with us. If you want to get in touch with us, um, you can tweet us at TNC underscore POD. Uh, you can write to us at True North Crime Pod <laughs> at gmail.com. I had to think about that. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> I wouldn't even know, so you're ahead of the game. Right, and you can find us on Facebook. I cannot remember the Facebook handle off the top of my head. I apologize for that, but we're at there. Easy to find. Um, and there is another True North Crime out there, but we're the original. We're the original. And I think I wrote that on Facebook, so <laughs> don't be fooled. Uh, what else? That's it. That's all I got. I should stop talking now because I'm just running out of words at this point. You'll never earn other words. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess until next time, I've been Rachel. I've been Shelly. And stay safe out there. Yeah. Don't don't get caught in that weird ass comic book crazy don't move to millionaire stuff. Yeah. <laughs> don't date a millionaire. Don't date a, there you go. <laughs> words to live by. <laughs>